Hello, and welcome to episode number seven of the Raw Food Podcast. I am your host, Laura Jane, the Rotarian, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about raw food equipment and kitchen appliances. I'm going to go over the general appliances that you might like to use when you're making a lot of whole raw foods. And in addition, I'm really going to focus as well on the acquisition of your raw food appliances and kind of tell you about how I bought my appliances and in which order and of course which order I recommend that you buy your appliances as well. So stay tuned and I'll be back with you shortly. So here we are at episode number seven of the Raw Food Podcast. I'm really enjoying doing these podcast episodes and I'm going to tell you a little quick story which is really going to dovetail nicely with the topic of today's episode which is your kitchen appliances and when you should upgrade. So as I said, this is episode seven of the podcast and I'm hoping that you'll be able to notice that my audio quality is a lot better than it has been in previous episodes. And that's because I finally bit the bullet and decided to buy a better microphone so that my podcasts would be better, especially for those of you who are listening, um, you know, with headphones, I, I wanted to be mindful that audio quality is really important. But I'm going to use that little story of me getting a new microphone and kind of relate it to when you should buy your raw food appliances. As you might know, when you're eating a raw food lifestyle or eating a lot of raw food recipes, um, you'll predominantly be using your blender quite a bit as well as a food processor and some other equipment as well. So as you probably know, I have a very expensive, really fabulous blender called a Vitamix, which is basically a commercial grade blender and it can just blend anything into a super silky, amazing texture. And that can include avocado pits, you know, um, there's, it just really does an amazing job. And, but I didn't get that Vitamix the first day that I went raw. Those blenders cost approximately $500. And that is a lot of money for a blender. And I certainly not going to sugarcoat that fact. And the reason that I do recommend that getting one eventually is because it makes a huge difference when you can throw an apple with its peel and you know maybe some core a little bit of core in there um, and you can get that to come out so smooth it tastes as though you've bought it from a you know a professional smoothie restaurant or something like that or when you're trying to make an alfredo sauce like I talked about in the previous episode and it can take nuts and make it so smooth and creamy you would think that it came from you know it's real cheese so that's really why it's important to get a good blender I'm kind of going off on that tangent already but I guess my point is and I'm going to take you through the whole story of when I got each piece of equipment and and the hope is that that will help you to know when to upgrade to different equipment in your kitchen 
But the general concept is that you don't suddenly decide, oh, I'm going to eat a lot of raw food and then I'm going to you know, spend $500 on my blender and $200 on this and $100 on that. I mean, that's not realistic. Perhaps for some, you know, celebrities, they can do that or people who have a lot of disposable income. But for the majority of realistic people, that's not how it's going to happen. So when I went raw about, oh gosh, it's probably been over two and a half years ago now. When I got started, I had a 20 or 30 dollar blender from a big box store I think I had bought it from Walmart and I barely ever used it actually I may have gotten it as a gift I can't remember but at any rate it sat in my closet and I did not use it much at all so when I first started going raw I had this really cheap blender and it, it did work but I remember I was making green smoothies with it when I first started going raw and when I would put an apple into the blender it would not do a very good job. I would get little pieces of peel that would never get any smaller than um, you know a few millimeters in size and things would get stuck and they wouldn't blend and I certainly couldn't blend nuts and that type of thing very well. So I had that cheap blender and I actually did not even have a food processor. My mom, God love her, was a great mother, but she was really not into cooking and she did never have a food processor either. So I didn't grow up with one and I just didn't really ever use one. So the first thing I, I had was this, this crappy blender. And I started getting interested in raw foods and I, I was using this blender. And pretty quickly I realized as I've talked about in greater detail in a couple of previous episodes, that blenders are for making really smooth recipes like smoothies and food processors, which are basically just almost like a wider blender concept with a bigger blade, those are for making drier uh, recipes. So that might be like brownies and cake mixes and things like that. So... I didn't own a food processor, so right away, can't remember exactly when, but maybe three weeks into going raw, I decided that that was going to be my first purchase because I really wanted to try out some energy balls and a few recipes like that. So I did buy a food processor and it was, I think, around $60, including tax, and I actually just got it at a local store and I didn't do any research. But the one thing that was good about it, it was that it holds probably around eight cups of ingredients, which is, is really great. It's, it's not a huge food processor, but it is a processor that can actually handle, you know, usually a full recipe. Because if you get a really tiny food processor, like a two cup one, most of the recipes are not actually going to fit inside it because your food processor would be too small. So, Although I do all this and I create recipes and stuff, I've never actually upgraded that food processor. I still am using my $60 uh, food processor and it's it's not amazing, but it, it does the job and it's good enough. And so that's kind of how I started with the bad blender. And then the first purchase I made after that was a food processor. I was basically, well not basically, I was 100% raw from say that point until about 
six months in. And as I was going towards my six month mark and I started to realize, wow, this is amazing. I feel amazing. These recipes are easy and they're quick and I'm losing weight and I feel energized and this is incredible because as you know, it, it basically changed my life. I started to think, okay, I need a better blender so that I can make more more recipes and so that I can make more satisfying recipes that actually will taste good to not only people interested in healthy living, but to just friends that would come over and would want to have a smoothie or I would like to serve them some raw zucchini pasta with Alfredo sauce. And I really wanted to be able to showcase the food that I was making. So I spoke with my husband and I said, look, I, I know we're on a budget here, but I need a $500 blender. And he kind of looked at me and said, well, if you stick with this whole thing for six months, then sure. And I mean, he and I make good uh, joint decisions about big purchases. And I thought that's reasonable because I do, <laughs> I do have a tendency of getting really enthused about something and then kind of dropping off with it. Although that hasn't happened with this whole healthy eating stuff because it really did change my life and it continues to change my life every day, really. But so we had that goal and that idea of getting a high-speed blender. And for me, I was really open-minded to either the Blend Tech, which is also a really great blender. I've never actually used one myself, but I did a lot of research about blenders and for me, it definitely came down to a decision between Blend Tech versus Vitamix. And really, either of those are great. I've just chose to go with the Vitamix. But if I had, you know, seen a good Blend Tech on sale, I would have gone with that as well. They're pretty comparable. There's some differences, but you can't go wrong with either of those. And one thing I should mention too was, I can't remember the exact details, but I did have that crappy blender. And I was probably using it every day, you know, a couple of times a day. And after, I can't remember exactly when, but like it may be in month two or month three, the motor died and I had to go and pick up another crappy blender. And I can't exactly remember the details, but I think that one may have died as well. The motors just aren't um, used to being used as much as us whole food raw vegan types tend to use our blenders. So that was how it how it went and at, at about the six month mark I was just getting more and more enthused about this whole raw food thing so I did buy that expensive Vitamix and um, truly as, as I was also a bit skeptical too because I didn't really ever used one before I done I had done a lot of research but I thought oh is this actually gonna you know make it that much better is this really gonna be worth $500 I hope so but it definitely was and and the main difference is uh it's really simple really it just gets everything really 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 silky smooth so that's the number one difference some ne some negative side about side effects are definitely that it is loud, just like any other blender, and possibly even louder, I would say. It's really loud, and it is humongous. The base is... I'm not great with dimensions, but 
it's huge. <laughs> and then you have the actual carafe or the, you know, the blender container, which is really big too, which is really handy, but it doesn't fit that well under cupboards and things like that. But it's totally worth it and I love it and I would never have it any other way. So I I had the Vitamix and then that was going well and I was super excited and that, and having that high speed blender really opened up a lot of different uh, taste choices and recipe choices just because I knew I would be able to get um, certain recipes a lot more satisfying really. And so I had dabbled a little bit in trying to make dehydrated foods like crackers and things like that in my oven, which I had read about that maybe you could put your oven on low and crack the door open and that would turn into a dehydrator. And sadly, that does not really work very well. And I ended up actually throwing away quite a bit of, you know, recipe ingredients because I tried to make a big batch of crackers and I put it in the oven and they really never really dehydrated and I just ended up throwing them away. So my recommendation on the dehydrator front is to not even bother trying to dehydrate. The oven does not work. So don't bother trying with that. Um, what I suggest that you do is hold off until you can afford to get a dehydrator and then get one at that time. So the general flow I suggest is get a cheap blender and a cheap food processor and that would be step one for most people i would then suggest if you're still enthused you know after a couple of months or depending on how important and how willing you are and able you are to spend money on your health i would suggest upgrading to a commercial high-speed blender like the vitamix or blendtec so I would suggest doing that as your next step. Then if you are still into all of this and enjoying using your, your Vitamix as well and wanting to get into dehydrating so that you can make crackers and cookies and all those kinds of wonderful things like veggie burgers, raw veggie burgers and fruit leather and all kinds of delicious things, breads. Yes, breads, you heard me say it. I recently started experimenting more with different types of bread recipes and I've had great results lately. Perhaps I'll tell you about that more in, a, in another episode. But yes, I definitely suggest you never want to get a round de dehydrator. You always want to go for a square one. And that's basically because the round ones, the way they're made, it's just uses a different technology and the air doesn't circulate as well and there's a lot of reasons why you should try to not get a round one. You can find cheap round ones and a lot of people might already even have them like left over from 20 years ago when somebody used to make beef jerky or I've heard a lot of those types of stories. So of course if you already have a dehydrator in your house and it happens to be round, sure why not just go ahead and try to use that and see how it goes. But the ideal is to get a square dehydrator with trays. I usually recommend a nine tray because the thing with dehydrating is usually 
it's kind of a big deal to get your dehydrator going and get it loaded with food. And usually I like to fill my dehydrator up, fill all nine trays when I'm dehydrating, just because it's more efficient, not only for the energy costs, uh, which are not a huge concern, just because I don't believe it draws that much energy, but just for the convenience of it, to just fill it up so you, if you're going to make a couple of trays of crackers, you might as well make a couple of batches and then you can dehydrate once and have your crackers last for quite a few weeks. Now the gold standard in dehydrating is definitely, has been anyway, for over recent years, the Excalibur 9 tray dehydrator. And you can buy those direct from Excalibur or you can buy them on Amazon and different retailers like that. And that's a great one. Again, I was on a budget when I first started. So the very first dehydrator that I bought was essentially a knockoff or a an imitation Excalibur, you could say. It doesn't look like an Excalibur, but it was the general concept of a square dehydrator. And the first one I, I purchased was called a Veggie Kiln. And I just bought that on eBay, I think. And it, because the Excalibur 9 tray, I forget, I haven't looked it up lately, but it might be around certainly over $200 plus shipping. And the thing with dehydrators is to get a square dehydrator, they're incredibly impossible to find locally. So you should really, you you'll probably will have to get that online, whereas your food processor and potentially, well, Anyway, I'm not going to try to speak to where everybody can get their appliances from all over the world, but generally dehydrators, you pretty much have to get them online. So the Veggie Kiln was the knockoff brand that I bought. There's also one called the Good For You. I believe that's all one word and it's number four and the letter U. But essentially, a dehydrator is really useful at the point when you feel as though you've exhausted a lot of the recipes and you're ready to sort of take the next step after mastering blending and food processing. So I certainly don't suggest that people get into dehydrating right away, especially because it can take a long time or it does take a long time to dehydrate crackers and things like that. So it can be frustrating. And so I think it's not a great idea to start right away with dehydrating because you want to get the other recipes down pat first. Because for example, if you're on a 30-day raw challenge and you come home and you've had a really bad day and you're in a foul mood and you are hungry and the kids are screaming, dehydrating is not going to help you at that moment. You need, you know, simple quick recipes that you can throw in the blender, maybe like a soup recipe, a nice creamy corn chowder that's made from corn and cashews, for example, that you can prepare the ingredients in about six minutes and you can blend it for about, I don't even know, less than two minutes. And then you pour that into soup bowls and there you've got soup and then you just have to, you know, clean that blender out and you're done. As opposed to trying to make some dehydrated meal that you won't be able to eat for two days. So I love dehydrating and I do dehydrate quite a bit, but we all have to give ourselves the best chance of success so you can procrastinate that whole dehydrating thing until you feel like, okay, I really need to kick my 
you know, whole raw food eating up a notch. And now I'm ready for the dehydrator. So if you can afford to get one right away, do it. But I think it, it can definitely come later. So just to recap, these are the main purchases, right? The blender and the food processor, both of which you can just buy locally, cheaply. Then if you're into all of this and continuing on, I would suggest upgrading to a high-speed blender, perhaps into a couple of months into it. Ideally, as soon as possible, but they are expensive, so... You have to bear that in mind. Then once you've got your really great high-speed blender and you're using that, then perhaps you could think about your next big purchase being a dehydrator. And then from that point on, you could, you know, perhaps upgrade to a better food processor. I use my food processor all the time for, you know, coming up to three years now, two and a half anyway, and I haven't seen the need to upgrade to a better food processor. I'd rather have the money in the bank than bother with trying to get a, you know, a couple of hundred dollar food processor because the food processor, it does its job fine. Um, but a cheap blender does not do its job fine. So that's the big difference. So I really don't have any plans to upgrade to a better food processor at this point. Perhaps if the motor dies on mine or something like that, I'll look into that. But for now, I'm happy with it. You know, like any kitchen or any room in your house, you could always buy nicer, better, bigger, more expensive everything. Like nice knives and cutting boards and other small pieces of equipment. But I would suggest that you try to keep... Rather than right at the beginning, try to get all of that stuff, I would really try to put your money into an expensive blender. And then once you have that, then you can start adding the smaller things. But I would suggest that really the blender, like a Vitamix or a Blendtec, is really going to be crucial, far more crucial than having a, a nice set of knives or, or anything like that. Now, you may know that I'm not much of a juicer. It's not that I dislike juicing. I love fresh squeezed juice, but it's not something that I do on a daily basis. And mostly for that, there's a couple of reasons for that, but mostly it's just because I find juicing to be quite inconvenient in that it's usually quite difficult and time consuming to clean a juicer. And that, to me, that is a big turnoff. And also juicing can be quite expensive as well. You can put a lot of ingredients into a small amount of juice that comes out of it. So I'm not against juicing, but it's not something I do frequently. I do think I could get into it more at some point, but right now it's not really something that's part of my life very much. Another fun piece of equipment is called a spiralizer. And that's actually not too expensive. You might be able to find that for $40 or so, but this is just a nice to have thing. Really, you should not be buying this right away. And what a spiralizer is, I may have talked about it in the Alfredo episode, which might've been episode six. Really, it is something that turns vegetables into noodles by sort of peeling them in a circular way. So a common way to use a spiralizer would be to have a zucchini and then just peel off the outer peel and then to 
sort of attach it to the spiralizer, which has kind of just a almost a carrot peeler style blade that just turns around the zucchini and then we'll, you're left with nice threads of circular pasta-like slices of zucchini. So that's really great and very effective if you're trying to make recipes that look really visually appealing. Those can be great. So I think the reason that I started this episode talking about my microphone is that what I did with this podcast was I thought, okay, I'm going to give this whole podcast thing a try and see how it goes, see how I like it. Um, start with the crappy microphone that I have, similar to a blender, and see how it goes. See how I feel about podcasting, see whether all you listeners are enjoying listening to this podcast or downloading it or even finding it. And so for me, it was, I guess, episode six, I thought, you know what, I really do like doing this. I really feel like it's a great way to connect with all of you out there. And I really enjoy recording them as well. So that's very similar to how I approach my raw food appliance acquisition was that I thought, okay, I'm going to give this whole raw food thing a try for a little bit, use just what I have, you know, get by. And then once I decide, you know what, I really do like this, I am going to get a little bit more into it and spend you know, make an investment into a good blender, similar to how I've made an investment into this very cool snazzy microphone that I have. It's the same thing. So I think it's good to dabble a little bit first and see how you feel. And then that will help lead you to the next decision or the next larger purchase. So the good thing about all of this raw food kitchen appliance stuff is that once you've got those main pieces predominantly your food processor and your blender and your dehydrator those are the big three the nice thing is you know those will do you really well the Vitamix forget what the guarantee is on it but it comes with a very long warranty um the the motor is is awesome and um really you're kind of set so it's it's not that really every year you're gonna have to be you know, expending more money. It's not like technology that gets so outdated so quickly. So I think you'll be good once you get settled into those. So that's a quick overview of raw food kitchen appliances. And I I think it was important for me to tell you about my story, about how I chose to invest in my kitchen appliances. And it was a slow progress, process rather. And I guess it was progress too. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think that gives you a really nice comprehensive overview of the different pieces of equipment that you might like to buy. Now, the Vitamix is very expensive, but I really do <laughs> advocate for it. Um, you can buy that various places online. You can get it at Amazon or directly from Vitamix. Um Yes, if you go to therawtarian.com slash Vitamix, you can get a free shipping coupon for that. If you do use my coupon, it means I do get a small um, percentage of the sale. However, buying it direct from Vitamix, which is awesome, and you'll probably get good service and things like that. If you do that, they'll ship it out to you, but they probably don't have the greatest prices. So if you are going to order direct from Vitamix, I would love it if you use my coupon and then I get a small percentage cut. But I would definitely say if you can find that online cheaper somewhere else or 
lovely, even better used somewhere, that is definitely ideal. You can also get them on Amazon, as I mentioned. Um, I haven't seen a huge price difference, but I would shop around. I mean, it is a, a very large purchase and you do want to be careful. And if you can save some money, why not? But definitely, if you can keep your eye out for a used one, the concept of the Vitamix is interesting in that they've been around for a really long time and you can sometimes find used ones. Now, they will have different models, so sometimes you'll even get to see some that look kind of vintage looking. They're sort of, I don't know what they're exactly made out of, but they almost look like steel. Even the blender container is steel. And those are still really great, even if they might be literally 20 years old, if it still looks in good condition and has been kept really clean. These are really quality blenders. And in fact, I even went to a farmer's market last year and to a smoothie stand, you know, that had was doing a lot of business and they had Vitamix there that was like super old looking. And I was chatting with the, the vendor at the farmer's market and he said he'd got it used and it was over 20 years old or something, but it was sparkling clean and he was using it as part of his business. So I would definitely suggest checking out used as well. I mean, it's lovely to buy things new, but you can get um, a much better deal sometimes. So definitely check out used locally first. So that's an overview of some raw food kitchen appliances. I hope that you found that helpful. I do have a little um, bit more information in sometimes in my blog, if you go to the rawtarian.com slash blog, but I think I kind of covered it. And um, thank you for being here with me. And it's been a real pleasure and I'll talk to you soon. You have been listening to the Raw Food Podcast with your host, The Raw Tarian. Be sure to visit me at therawtarian.com where you can browse over 100 of my absolute favorite, simple, satisfying raw recipes, which you'll find pretty quick to make and that they include only just a few ingredients. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. And once you're signed up for that, you'll get a PDF copy of 11 of my most favorite, most satisfying, most delicious recipes, including raw Alfredo sauce, raw brownies, and a whole host of other delicious recipes you can make at home that are raw and taste amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to hear from you very soon. And until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.